Front office, please hold. You're six feet nothing. 300 and nothing. And you hung in with the best podcast in the land for nine months. Waste. Don't be wasting my time. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Office Podcast. What's going on, fellas? These nuts. I, I like that answer, pal. Literally, these nuts. They're delicious. Are you eating nuts right now while we talk? Yeah, I got these nuts in my mouth. <sighs> I got in my Costco. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even sure how this thing's still going. You know, like we I started by now. We, we started said something that got us arrested. We started off on such a strong note with that intro, and then Jed had to ruin it by saying a dad joke that no one, like even dads, not aren't laughing at. Hey, look. At least I didn't burp. Give it time. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Worst Touché. day ever so far. Touche. Touche. Um, anyways, welcome back to the front office podcast, everybody. Kev, Jet, and Kyle are back. And as you can hear, I am back hosting the show after a hiatus last week with our boy Jethro owning up to his lost bet. And uh, and doing a damn fine job hosting. Might I say, damn fine job. I think he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so so speaking of lost bets, um, we actually had two lost bet own-ups this past week, which is great. So I wasn't able to post it on our social media because the footage was absolute garbage. But we got video evidence of our guy, Kev, owning up to his loss bet to go and trick or treat at his next door neighbor's house. So Kev, how was that experience uh, going trick or treating? Bring back some fond memories or what? Uh, you know what? I forgot how difficult it is to walk with a mask and an, uh, a very cumbersome costume, go trick or treating. It was exciting. In that brief moment, I felt like a kid again, albeit a very large and uh, slightly odd looking kid. Um, but, uh, when I knocked on my neighbor's door and, uh, he opened it, he didn't recognize me at first. Uh, I was a pretty convincing chase from Paw Patrol mixed in with a, uh, a giant inflatable guy riding a T-Rex <laughs> and, uh, it went, uh, it went well. He really didn't know who I was and he didn't know what to say. And I was the first trick or treater he had. And then when he saw my kids come out, he put two and two together and then realized that I was holding one of the kids' bags. So he gave me candy and my youngest son candy. And my oldest son just like went with, he's like, all right, I guess I don't get candy. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> what'd you, uh, what'd, what'd you get? Uh, you know what? He was a little chintzy at first. I'm not going to lie. First he threw just one chocolate bar in there. And then I think he realized who I was and he start, start filling the bag. But a couple arrow bars and there was a big cat. Clearly went the Nestle uh, value pack, which we all enjoy. Nice. 
Well, it's good. Good to know that your neighbor, you know, was was being generous on uh, on All Hallows Eve. But again, it, w- it was a great week for owned up bets. So, Jet, great job hosting, Kev. Awesome for you to go and uh, relive your childhood a little bit. But uh, you know, we're we're back again this week, and and we're going to take a more traditional route to uh, to what we've been doing over the last nine months. But before we get into that. Obviously, I got to mention the front office podcast is brought to you by our pals at the Smoke Shack and BTP Smokehouse. Please don't forget to enter the promo code Kev. FOP10. FOP10 at checkout. Um, Again, if you guys aren't eating the Smoke Shack already, what are you waiting for? Go and get yourself some of the best food you're ever going to eat. And, uh, Again, an unbiased opinion, but the best barbecue that you're ever going to eat. So um, moving on from that, another little housekeeping item that we got to address here, fellas, uh, unbeknownst to me until my wife pointed it out to me uh, the other night, but the podcast is actually up for a 2021 Ottawa Award for best, local, for best local <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So uh, nice. again, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how are you feeling about that? Like, very prestigious nomination, fellas. My biggest fear is that if we win one of these things, I'd have to meet one of the absolute ghouls who listens to this show and have to talk to them. <laughs> and I, that's like, I'm very much like I refuse to vote for us. Uh, I've asked my wife to vote in favor of any other podcast because my absolute favor is I would have to hold conversation with the type of person that would listen to us three freely and for no good reason. <laughs> I also, I don't know if you heard, but I farted at the end of that sentence. So I really <laughs> am at home. My point. Just want to get that out to everyone. But thanks Was that for a pun? Was that a pun? You just yeah. wanted to get it out to everyone? Was that a pun? Yeah. Yeah, listen, you're nuts. So, <laughs> so, so despite Kev's best efforts, I mean... Um, again guys we joke around it's all in jest but realistically i mean it's it's pretty cool to be nominated for uh for an award let alone you know being nominated for an award in a field that we're actually trying to you know um you know get together and kind of shoot the shit every week but you know it's uh again it came as a surprise that kelly was was voting for um one of her favorite restaurants that uh, that her friend owns and she's scrolling through and she says holy shit you guys are nominated for best podcast. I was like, what? Where? So, so she sent me the link to it. And it's like, okay, well, news to me. But uh, whoever nominated us for that award, uh, again, thank you very much. We, we really appreciate it. But uh, voting ends November 14th, everybody. So go to the Ottawa.com uh, and uh, vote for the front office podcast for best local podcast in uh, 2021. So moving on to that, we've been talking about wagers and whatnot. So we'll get this one out of the way. Easy peasy. So Kev, you and I are up this week. And I think that we've got a nice enticing fantasy football matchup in Jethro's league between the two of us. So I think we just make it easy and we wager on that game. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, that works for me. All right. So I'll, I'll let you name the, the stakes for this week's wager. Well, I don't have any holidays that I could that would be inappropriate for us to partake in. Um, 
I just remembered today, but that doesn't make sense and it would be horribly disrespectful. Um, <laughs> winner gets a sandwich of their choosing from a sandwich shop, local sandwich shop. You know what? Hold on. Winner gets a, uh, a sandwich of their choosing from the best sandwich shop in Ottawa as voted by the Ottawa. And I believe that that sandwich shop in 2020 was Dirienzo's. I'm just looking at it now and I start getting a bit of a hankering for some Dirienzo's. All right. So I'm, I'm good with that. So this week's fantasy football matchup is on the line and uh, at stake is a delicious sandwich from Dirienzo Sandwiches. Put it on the board. All right, so now that we've uh, we've got all of the housekeeping items out of the way, we've got our bet on the board. Kev, let's get back to an, our favorite angry segment and talk a little bit about grinding beans. Grinding beans. All right, well, uh, this one's another serious one, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, by now, everyone's heard of uh, what transpired. Uh, Tuesday morning with Henry Ruggs III uh, in Las Vegas driving uh, his Corvette at about 157 miles per hour um, hits a stopped car um, they, the details are coming out now that he was traveling 127 miles per hour with the airbags deployed with that means he barely even touched the brake or even saw the stopped car hit that car um Serious injuries to his girlfriend who was in the car. Uh, he was injured. It looks like he broke his hip. Um, some neck issues. But obviously the most uh, gruesome detail from this story, the tragic story, um, is the death of a 23-year-old woman. She also had her dog in the car with her who passed as well. Uh, and a young life taken away. And on the surface, before you start to look at it, you know, there's nothing that makes this better, but you almost hope it was just a tragic accident, but it wasn't. He was, uh, his blood alcohol level was double the legal limit. Um, he was intoxicated, visibly intoxicated when police arrived. Uh, he had a loaded gun in the car. Uh, and uh, on top of that, um, he, it never had to happen, right? Never had to happen. Few people know this. Um, it's changed a bit now, but the NFL a long time ago realized that there was an issue, and it's not a good thing for the image of the league to have players um, under the influence of substances. Uh, so they created a uh, shuttle service pretty much in every city where there's an NFL team that their players can call at any time, no questions asked, and uh, not have to worry about driving their vehicle. Uh, I think it's been upgraded. They have a service with Lyft or Uber. Basically covers the cost of anything. Cost should never have been a factor here. Uh, this is a person with millions of dollars, former first round pick, uh, NFL player, making millions of dollars. But uh, 22 years old, he's taking the life of a 23-year-old woman uh, and his life is, is all but over. His career is finished. The Las Vegas Raiders have released him. 
Um, he's now facing criminal charges. He can face up to 20 years in prison. Even if he goes to prison for a very small amount of time, minimum two years, actually. So he's going to jail if found guilty. Um, any dime he has made up until this point will be gone through civil suits, no doubt. But his life being destroyed was of his own choosing. That young lady that was in the car, she didn't make that choice to get behind the wheel. Uh, he did. So he took that from her. Uh, what's grinding my beans here is it's 2021 20, and there are still idiots that are going to get behind the wheel of a car under the influence. It blows my mind. I would think by now in 2021, this problem would be over and done with. We know that if you are under the influence and it doesn't have to just be alcohol, it could be anything. Cannabis is legal now, right? Um, we know that, uh, that accidents go way up and fatalities go way up. And this should not be happening in 2021. And I say that knowing full well that we're entering into the period of our year, of a calendar year, that has the most occurrences of uh, DUIs and DUI-related fatalities and accidents, right, with the Christmas season coming up. Please, 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 if you are listening to this show right now and you go out and you're watching a football game or you're going to a staff Christmas party, plan ahead, have a ride, download the Uber or Lyft apps, uh, take the bus, I'd say take light rail, but in Ottawa, we don't have that right now. Do anything other than arrive in your own vehicle with the keys to your car. Don't go there with the assumption that you're going to park your car and leave it overnight. Don't even go there in your own car with your own keys. Don't do it. Plan ahead. And if you do decide to go there with your own car and you've had a few drinks, just think for a second how much Henry Ruggs wishes he could go back in time and change that decision. And then think about all the people for the rest of their lives have to think about their loved one being taken away from them because of the selfish actions of someone who's had too much to drink. That is what's grinding my beans, Kyle. Don't drink and drive. Nothing else needs to be added to that. I think that you speak for everybody, um, especially you know after a, a tragic event like that. So, very well said. You know, happy that uh, you know you you brought that up. And um, again, you know, can't echo that statement enough. Do not drink and drive, especially coming up you know, with the, the holiday season approaching. So, um, again, very well said. All right. So, um, let's, uh, again, get back to one of our other normal segments now that he's back in, uh, in his regular seat and kick it over to our man jet with another installment of constantly improving. Alrighty, alrighty, alright, alright, alright. Um, just, just something I wanted to add about the, the Henry Rugg situation. Um, be, beware of the company you keep. Okay, beware of the company you keep. When you have millions of dollars, you'll have a lot of people around you. You know, oh, he's paying for the drinks again. I don't know all the circumstances, but what I'm saying is, from what I've seen happen in the past. 
you'll have a lot of guys that have a lot of money, a lot of clout, whatever. You know, they'll, they'll have an entourage. They'll have a bunch of friends around. In this situation, and you know what? Just, you know, like with you guys, right? I don't know how many times, like I've never, I've never thought of, you know, being plastered and, and driving or anything like that. However, if you guys ever saw me at the club back in our playing days, you guys would just say, yo, just walk back to the spot. You can sleep on the couch. Don't, don't, you know, you don't have to go home today. I don't know how many times, well, that, that kind of gives away how many times we got smashed. But um, at the same time, I don't recall ever having my teammates just say, okay, see you later, if they saw that I was in trouble, ever. They would always be like, okay, where are you going right now? What's going on? What are you doing? Okay, you're going home? No, you're too smashed. You're not going home. You're not driving. You know, sober up and come in, you know, sober up and go home in the morning. It got to the point where I remember telling my mom when I would go out with you guys and I'd say, mom, I'm probably, if I don't come home, I'm probably just hanging out with Kyle or I'm probably at, uh, you know, 306 or whatever. I'm not dead. I'm just with them. You'll see me in the morning. And she, like, she got used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to have, to have a young guy in a split second, have his life just ended that way and tragically have the, you know, that, that young woman who was in her vehicle with her dog, she didn't think that was going to be the last day of her life. You kidding me? She's, she's innocently in her vehicle with her dog. And now her family has to mourn her because, because some guy didn't make the right decision and didn't, wasn't surrounded by the right people. It's unfortunate. So to any young people who are listening to this show, again, be aware of the company you keep. You know what I'm saying? So again, just tragic, just tragic to, to, that that situation had to happen. And it's not like the Raiders needed any more publicity, but you know, it is what it is. Um, again, hard to get away from that topic, but, uh, I miss, I missed that segment from last week, uh, constantly improving cause there was a lot going on, but, uh, what I want to touch on today, uh, very, very quickly, uh, I want to talk about a lot of people were pissed, uh, in the fantasy world. Uh, but it, it was all for not if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, cause you guys still won, but a lot of people were pissed when out of the blue, uh, Dak Prescott showed up on the injury report and ultimately didn't play uh, in the Sunday nighter against uh, the Minnesota Vikings. The reason I want to talk about it is yes, I've talked about calf injuries before. Okay. Um, we saw it with Nick Chubb. We saw it with Kareem Hunt. Uh, it seems to be, uh, you know, very common in the NFL this year, but the reason I want to talk about it specifically when it comes to Dak is because when people, people tend to forget, Dak had a pretty gruesome injury last year where he required two surgeries on his ankle for a dislocated uh, uh, left ankle, right? Now, what people fail to realize is when you've had two surgeries on your ankle, you are not putting a lot of weight on that leg. Your right leg is taking the brunt of that if your surgery is on the left ankle. Right. And what people don't realize is when you are weight bearing. So when you're standing, um, you know, moving. And I remember watching uh, post op like the practices after he had surgery 
he was walking he was going around on those little scooters where you put your left leg on it you kick with the right so that right leg was doing a lot of work was doing a lot of work while that left one was recovering so now what we're seeing is the consequence of compensation right if one leg can't do the work the other leg has to do more work so that's why anyone who has a lower body injury whether it's your hip whether it's your knee whether it's your you know your ankle in this situation whether it's your foot you cannot neglect putting in work on the other side especially when it comes to soft tissue so stretching strengthening keeping the other side mobile as much as possible because it will catch up to you it will ultimately catch up to you i even i believe as well, um, when Odell Beckham uh, tore his ACL last year, I believe, I believe prior to that, he had a hip injury on the opposite side, right? So it's all about balance. If you injure one side, you can't just give TLC to the one side that's injured. One of the things I tend to tell my patients all the time is that body parts get jealous, if you give too much TLC to one body part or one side, the other side will say, okay, fine. I'm going to break down on you too. So you give me some attention. And it happens quite often. So if there's anything to be learned from the Dak Prescott situation, it's that you have to work on the side that is unaffected by surgery. Because what we do know is that the number one predictor of future injury is muscle imbalance. And that, sir, is constantly improving. Well done. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, anybody who, um, again, was watching that game last week, uh, Cooper Rush definitely made a name for himself. Let's just put it that way. And you know what? What better segue than to go into, again, a new segment that we introduced last week, and I think it actually resonated quite well. So we're going to keep up with it, and we're going to go back to another Clutch with Keys. Clutch. So, must start, must sit fantasy football players for this week. We'll make it short and sweet. Um, So, again, spoke about Cooper Rush absolutely torching the uh, Minnesota Vikings defense last weekend. This week, my first must start player is Marquise Hollywood Brown for that exact reason. We've seen glaring holes in Minnesota's secondary Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball better than ever and Baltimore's backfield is still in shambles. So they're going to be relying a lot more on Lamar's arm. Look for Hollywood Brown to bust at least one or two long touchdowns this weekend. So if you have them, start them. Uh, Again, speaking of speed, we're going to tomorrow night's game with the Jets and the Colts. Going with the rookie, Elijah Moore, Uh, Corey Davis, out for this week. So their number one receiver is gone. Elijah Moore came back off of injury last week, had a pretty good showing. They've got a young quarterback in there, usually going to have a safety blanket. I think Elijah Moore is that guy. And Indianapolis, they get involved in shootouts every week. So look for the Jets to put up a lot of passing yards again this week. Elijah Moore is going to be the benefactor from that. Um, And I'm going to give two here because one of them, is dependent on if he actually plays or not. He's on pace to play right now, so we'll start with that. Jet, it's your favorite quarterback in the world, 
Mr. Taysom Hill. Fuck that dude. <laughs> so why are we starting Taysom Hill, everybody? Well, what does Taysom Hill do well? He gets carries in the red zone. So if you've had Taysom Hill at any point during your time playing fantasy football, you know that as soon as they get inside the 10, he is almost guaranteed to get at least one touchdown a game rushing. So for that reason alone, Jameis Winston is out for the year. Unless the Saints are looking at playing Trevor Simeon for, you know, for, the, for the majority of the game, Taysom Hill is going to get a long look at quarterback. And with that, his rushing attack alone is worth putting him in your lineup. And if he's not 100% and he's gone, here's the guy that I really I think is going to have a sneaky week, and he's probably going to be available in a lot of leagues. A.J. Dillon from the Green Bay Packers. News broke today that Aaron Rodgers is going to be out this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. Jordan Love is making his first start. What are Green Bay? What's Green Bay going to rely on most heavily? Their running game. And anyone who watched Green Bay's game last week and saw A.J. Dillon run, that dude is ready for prime time. Aaron Jones is going to get his touches, but A.J. Dillon is going to be an absolute monster against that Swiss cheese defense that Kansas City has. So look for A.J. Dillon to put up some uh, some good points for you. Must sits this week. Uh, going over to Denver, Mr. Cortland Sutton. Why am I picking Cortland Sutton out of all the weapons there? Because he's pretty much the de facto number one receiver. Jerry Judy came back last week, had a pretty good showing for his first week back, but Cortland Sutton is number one. And who are they playing this week, gentlemen? The Los Angeles Rams. And who does Los Angeles have in their secondary? Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) So who's going to be on Cortland Sutton this week? Jalen Ramsey. So look for Jerry Judy and Noah Fan to be the primary uh, ball catchers this week for Denver. Sit Cortland on your bench. Um, in Chicago, you know they were on the road in Pittsburgh this week. I picked a running back that was going against the Steeler defense last week as a must-sit, and I'm doing it again this week. Khalil Herbert. He's been taking the league by storm the last couple of weeks since he's been given the starting role. I don't see Chicago being able to move the ball against Pittsburgh's defense. So as much as you need to play a guy like Khalil Herbert, especially if you're a David Montgomery owner, please, I advise you, do not play him this week. There are better options out there. And then my last one, and this one's going to be a little bit of a, you know, why are you picking this guy? But again, like I showed last week, we got to go bold and brash with these ones. We're not going to take easy layups. I'm going Joe Burrow. The reason I'm going Joe Burrow against the Browns is because I really do like the Browns secondary. They are sneaky good. And when you take into account that they have a decent secondary, and now you incorporate that pass rush against, again, a still suspect Cincinnati offensive line, I think Joe Burrow is going to be under duress for most of the game. When he's under duress, he does not show a lot of accuracy. So, A decent secondary with a good pass rush is a recipe for a quarterback to not have a good day in fantasy. And that, my friends, is Clutch with Keys. I'm looking forward to that Jamar Chase-Denzel Ward uh, matchup. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I think Taysom Hill gets a sniff of that quarterback room or that – 
starting quarterback role, and then we see Philip Rivers, ex-Chargers quarterback, coming into New Orleans to win the Super Bowl. They've done it before. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, all right. So on to our actual topic of the show this week, guys. And I know we haven't had one of these in such a long time. And I know Kevin's been absolutely clamoring, not just for the episode topic, but for the movie itself. And of course, I'm referring to movies. We're doing another front office film critics. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that one. All right, roll it. And Kev, I'll let you introduce the movie that we're going to talk about tonight because I know this is one you've been wanting to get your your teeth into for a long time. So take it away. Well, if you were to ask any football fan what their favorite movie is, there's a top five list that I think everyone would um, likely consider, right? Remember, the Titans is in there any given Sunday. Uh, but I think one of the movies that always comes up when you're talking about greatest football movies ever made is the based on real life movie, Rudy, the lovable story of Rudy Rudiger and his uh, lifelong goal of playing football for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the biopic follows him from the rough life in the mills and his high school football playing days to his right out of high school engagement that breaks off all the way to how he claws his way onto the field for them fighting Irish and goes down as a legend in Notre Dame football history and of course the movie does it perfectly and everything is accurate and for sure that's exactly how it happened in real life uh yeah and uh, that's our story and we're sticking to it but uh, anyways fantastic intro we're talking about rudy tonight again a cult favorite i think anybody who's not even a sports fan has seen this movie just because it, it tugs on your emotional heartstrings you know, you, you look at everything that Kevin just talked about from the upbringing to all the tragedies that happened in this kid's life to eventually, you know, reaching that summit and a goal he set for himself as a young child. So be that as it may, we're going to rip the shit out of this movie tonight because there are obviously yeah. some flaws that, uh, again, we have to identify and call these movie producers out for. So Jet, go ahead, give us your first point on Rudy and what sticks out to you as being absolutely ridiculous. Okay. This team is, you know, at the time, one of the best football programs in the country. Okay. Then we got little Rudy Rudiger trying out for the team and he is getting absolutely shit kicked left, right, and center. Why the fuck would I put him on my team? Like, honestly, he wouldn't even make the team. That doesn't make any sense. From jump, I was like, no. This is, we're talking about a top NCAA program. They're just going to put Rudy in there just because of all his effort? No. They're trying to win games. Even for scout team, you're not just going to put a body that's going to get murdered. You want to get someone that can actually do something. 
for some reason, automatically, for some reason, I thought of Brian Giebert right away, <laughs> just because he's so small in that sense. But what I mean by that is that when someone is a smaller sized player, like they have to stick out, not get ran over during the entire practice, during the entire tryout. They should be, they should stand out as smaller guys. It, that whole point, that whole part made no sense to me because you see the practice, they're showing in slow motion. Like he's literally getting ran over. O-line's coming over and saying, hey buddy, are you okay? No. <laughs> the minute that happens, he's cut. He's cut. That's it. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, to that point, any good coach is not going to put a kid who's like, Five foot seven, 140 pounds soaking wet on the fucking defensive line. I mean, even if you love the kid's heart, you're talking about Notre Dame, who, if anyone listened to our color casts, uh, you know, live um, live performance a couple of weeks ago, Kevin and I talked about the traditional Notre Dame offensive line, which by all intents and purposes has been, you know, a, a breeding ground for NFL talent. So you're looking at these big six foot six, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pound monsters blocking this little pipsqueak, and again knocking his dick in the dirt. And you know he's how many concussions did that kid get in that movie? At least forty, at least, because every time you're watching a highlight of practice, he's getting you know picked up off his feet, driven into the ground. He's getting helicoptered in the air. Like it's it's amazing one that he wasn't dead. <laughs> but like two why would the coaches ever do that if you're gonna keep them make him a fucking long snapper you know what i mean like put him in a position where he's not a danger to himself like i appreciate the sentiment of having respect for the kid's heart but heart don't mean shit if you're literally physically incapable of doing what you need to do so i 100 percent agree with you there you know, you know what what kind of messed with me too was near the near the end of the movie. Again, spoiler alert if you haven't watched this movie. Fuck but it. Before, if you're listening to this, he, we give you spoiler alerts all the time. So <laughs> before he makes that big play at the end of the game or whatever, which that's I'll bring that up later because that's another situation that bothered me. <laughs> but before they even get into their stances, he's standing next to number 70. And it looks like that picture that you see uh, Derrick Henry next to Mark Ingram. <laughs> like, it literally looks like that. It, it, and I'm like, once again, there's no way this guy's playing on Notre Dame's defensive line. There's no way. he, The guy he's standing next to looks like friggin' Marcus Stroud or John Henderson. And he he looks like Muggsy Bogues. Like, it makes no sense. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> <laughs> amazing just going to take a quick break from the action let you know that frontofficepodcast.com is live for all podcast content show information downloadable content a little bit of light reading as well as information about all of our podcast partners and upcoming live shows go visit frontofficepodcast.com for all your sports and podcasting needs and now back to the show all right jed good start good start kev what do you got, man? Oh, I love that we're covering this. You know what? I love the movie. I love the movie so much 
but I can only love it for the amazing piece of fiction that it truly, truly is. Because if you do a quick Google search, which if you, if you watch the movie, you have to ask yourself a few questions when you're watching it. If you do a quick Google search, you realize that the movies that you will have just watched, whether it be now or in 1993 coming out of the movie theaters with your parents and sister on New Year's Eve when you went to watch it and were amazed by it and Google didn't exist yet. You have to ask yourself, did that really happen? And the answer is no. No, it did not ever, ever happen. In fact, most of the story is either inaccurate or, uh, or a flat-out lie. Incredible Hollywood script work. Okay, um, Let's take, for instance, some of the bigger moments in this movie that people are going to look and go, wow, that happened to the real-life Rudy Rediger. What an amazing person. I'm going to pay him his speaking fee as a motivational speaker to come and talk to my HR department. Here's the thing. Rudy, the entire movie is touted as being someone who works so hard. And obviously he did. He played university football at the University of Notre Dame. He was a student athlete. That is a lot of hard work. Not unlike the other student athletes. They love to portray him as this person who had to work super hard by holding down odds and ends jobs and when he wasn't doing those he'd be going back to try and get some hours in at the mill to save up money to cover the cost of community college and his eventual tuition at Notre Dame here's the thing though the movie doesn't tell tell you about the real life uh, Rudy Rudiger serving in the Navy which in and of itself is a feat that should be acknowledged uh, and his GI Bill covered his entire tuition at the community college as well as the University of Notre Dame. So he certainly had a little bit more time uh, on his hands than the movie liked to portray. Speaking of that part-time job where he worked uh, on the field at the university's uh, stadium, there's the janitor, Fortune, who made an appearance at the beginning of the podcast to introduce him. Um, Fortune doesn't exist. <laughs> he never existed. And the mere fact that his name is Fortune should be a giant clue that he did not exist. Now, his character is fantastic. He, his character in terms of the script and plot, helps out the, uh, the fiction piece. Of Charles the S. Dutton entire... nominated, nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. And Dutton plays a great role. He really does. Okay, the character of Fortune is great. In fact, I love showing the speech about um, proving things to my students in class. I think it's such a great one. But that speech never happened. In fact, when asking the real Rudy Rudiger what uh, the basis of that character was really on, he said, it's a representation of everyone that's ever encouraged me. What a stupid story. <laughs> Here's the embodiment of all the people that encourage me. Which brings me to the next part. Everyone encouraged him. He was well-liked, probably because he was a fun guy who tried really hard. He wasn't just a football player. He was also an avid boxer while he was in the University of Notre Dame. And that's where he got... Uh, kind of his reputation as this go-hard guy who tries and you can't beat him because he just doesn't quit or ever give up. And his teammates love that about him. Anyone who's ever played a sport loves that guy. We love the guy who's a good teammate who tries the best for his team, right? And 
uh, Coach Devine, who's portrayed as kind of an angry guy who says there is no way this guy who's too short is going to play for Notre Dame. He'll have to cast a ring into uh, the fiery pits of Mordor. That will be his only thing that he can be capable of doing. He's a hobbit. No, Coach Devine was insistent that Rudy play in that Georgia Tech game. There was no lineup of players putting their jerseys down saying, I want Rudy to play in my place. He was excited. The entire team was excited because Rudy was going to play. But not just Rudy, other seniors that had been playing for a long time and never dressed a game dressed for that Georgia Tech game. Rand, 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 Rand. And here's the thing about that Georgia Tech game. It wasn't the last game of the season. It was the second last game of the season because there was no way they were going to travel and pay for the added expense to bring these seniors that don't normally dress to their next game, which was an away game. So... Coach Devine was certainly in favor of Rudy and all the other kids, including Rudy's friend on the team, who was a legacy and was on practice roster. Whether or not he exists, I don't know, because the story of Rudy is a giant lie. (laughs) Coach Devine was so excited to see Rudy go in the game that you see it briefly in the movie where he says, get the seniors in, get the seniors in. Rudy goes in for three plays at the end of the game. That is true. It was an uh, uh, onside kick, sorry, a kickoff, an incomplete pass, followed by the game-ending sack that was done by Rudy. We'll talk about that in a second. But the thing that makes me laugh the most is Coach Devine was one of his biggest fans. Because he kept Rudy on the team, he could have just cut him. At no point did he have to keep him on that team. He wasn't a scholarship athlete. He could have cut him. He didn't. He was in favor of Rudy and saw how he made the team better. And another naysayer didn't actually exist. His brother, Frank, not a real character. Does he have a brother, Frank? No, he doesn't have a brother named Frank. So again, more of this story showing that is completely fraudulent. Now that sack at the end of the game, as you recall, the vets on the sideline started the slow Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy! And the entire stadium starts to pick it up. And fake brother Frank and dad, who dad apparently laughed in his son's face, that never happened. He was supportive of Rudy's dreams, both for the Navy, Community College, and the University of Notre Dame football team. Supportive since he was a child. That moment where everyone started chanting did happen. It happened Shortly after the sack, so it didn't build going into those three plays, nobody in the stands knew who Rudy was, aside from his family that may have been there, the family that existed in real life, and a few friends in one small section of the stadium that did started to chant Rudy. It was not the entire stadium chanting Rudy, but he was hoisted upon the shoulders of all of the other players and carried off the field, and he was the first Notre Dame player to ever do so so that part was true and that for that brief moment while he stood on the shoulders of all his teammates that was the first time in Rudy's life that he was the average height of a college football player (laughs) 
Oh, Those man. Those are just a few of my thoughts. Rant the- for the ages. I love it. Classic. You've been building that up for nine months. Um, oh, yeah. So, so on that point of it not being accurate, let's just go back to the actual movie itself. And the point that I had was, you know, just highlighting what type of hillbilly redneck piece of shit family is he from in that movie? Like, are you fucking kidding me with that? First of all, you've got his dad who doesn't even give a shit about his kids and basically just like, oh yeah, I'm home now. Turn on the, do you know, turn on the game. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I just worked at the mill for 12 hours. Then you've got, you know, his, his older brothers. And let's just kind of rhyme these knuckleheads off. So you've got the oldest brother who, again, he's, a, he's kind of an ancillary character. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm not going to support Rudy. I'm not going to care about him. You know, and then he, you know, it comes across as being like, well, he's just kind of like the nice shy brother and whatnot. But during the movie, when Rudy's girlfriend has broken up with him, or not even broken up with him, I guess they were like, you know, kind of still on and off again. He's coming home from college to visit. And this fucking guy is with his girlfriend. <laughs> He stole Rudy's fucking girlfriend while he was away at college trying to better himself. Okay, so that's one. So that's, you know, again, that's the oldest brother setting the example for the rest of the family. Now, let's get into his middle brother, Frank. Why does this guy hate his life so much? Knocks the kid down every chance he gets. Tells him he's shit. Tells him he's worthless. Fights his best friend because his best friend calls him out on his shit. Then you see throughout the entire movie, I mean, Rudy's defied all the odds. He's graduated from the community college. He's gone to Notre Dame. He's on the football team. And this guy does everything in his power to make him feel worthless. So you've got dad who doesn't give a shit. You've got older brother who's honing in on your, you know, on your girl while you're gone. And then you've got middle brother who's tearing you down every chance he gets. And then the mom's just kind of sitting there like, Oh, those, those are my boys. You know, boys will be boys. Like no wonder in the movie, the kid just didn't want to go home. He just wanted to focus all of his attention there and sleep on a fucking cot in a janitorial closet because his family's a bunch of morons who like at, at every turn. They're trying to ruin the kid's life and break him down. So I, I don't know how you guys felt about that. I've always been pissed off at that part because like every member of that family is just an utter piece of shit. And again, it turns out not to be true, but during, you know, when we're watching it, we don't know that we're just looking at this like clown car of people who are literally like a Jerry Springer show waiting to happen. Clown car of people is perfectly describing that piece of shit one bedroom house that they live in too like just how, how can we make this family look more rust belt 1960s than they already are i got it plastic christmas decorations that's what's gonna <laughs> sell it this is what'll do it in for everyone oh man so again i mean 
you know, the poor kid, he's just trying to better himself and his family's just taking advantage of him at every turn, you know, cheating on his girlfriend, tearing him down, not caring about anything he's doing. So uh, shame on you, Rudy's family. Shame. <laughs> Jet, what, what else family. you got? Um, okay, this one's kind of short and sweet. So when, when Rudy makes his play and... You know, they put him on his shoulders and everything like that. Charles S. Sutton, I want to say he applauds, but I don't know if he's having a stroke. (laughs) 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 Because it's like, I've never seen someone freestyle a clap during a movie. Because he claps like one and a half times and then says, wait, that's not enough. And then claps hard with his gloves on again and then just kind of walks away and i just couldn't help but think brother you good like <laughs> what, what what i'm not sure what just happened there. it's a meme now which is it, hilarious it, it's, it's kind of like it's a gif it's a gif yeah it's kind of like he's the energizer bunny and he ran out of batteries while he was in mid-class yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly but that's what i'm saying i was like yo did, did bro did bro like stroke out there for a second because like there was like a there was a malfunction somewhere <laughs> there uh for sure um he was and, cold and he was then, cold uh, man he was cold he couldn't control his hands bro, I, I don't know but that that that's like like i said like that gif has stood the test of time it is still around because it doesn't make any sense um the other the other thing was Okay, maybe this is the D-line coach in me, but the sack at the end. So, first of all, his stance is god-awful. It's so bad. Like, I just, I wanted to tell him, like, bro, go back to Encino, man. Go back to (laughs) to Lord of the Rings. Go do something else, because a football stance, it ain't it. And then he takes off. He barely gets chipped by the running back who's coming out. It literally looked like when Strahan sacked Favre. And he was just like, oh, I guess everyone's cheering for him. I should probably go down now. I I should just go down. Because me, see me, I'm an asshole in the sense that if I'm that quarterback, fuck it. I'm taking an intentional grounding. I'm throwing that (laughs) motherfucker. I don't care. I'm fumbling it. I'm fumbling it. I'm, I don't care. I'm taking a knee. I'm sliding. I'm doing something. I'm not letting this dude who's half the size of the D tackle that's next to him just run in a straight line and sack me. No, absolutely not. I'm not letting Martin Grammatica sack me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bill. Bill. <laughs> it just, it just, it, it drove me nuts, man. I was just like, no, no, no. That's <laughs> And like, how bad is Georgia? Thought, how bad is Georgia Tech that they allow that to happen? Given how much, I'm given how much Rudy gets shit kicked in practice, someone's getting cut and fired on the same play. <laughs> uh, Kev, I know you got another good rant in you, man. So, what else do you got? Okay, probably one of my favorite uh, scenes of the movie is when Vince Vaughn. He's a little upset with how Rudy is taking it up a notch in practice. Okay. Uh, do you recall that scene, gentlemen? Yes. Vince Vaughn 
getting a little angry because Rudy's out here playing like it's the goddamn Super Bowl. And that <laughs> sums up his whole sorry career. And if he had a tenth the heart of Rudiger, he would have been All-American. Since fun. When we know from the movie Wedding Crashers that he was All-State and he could make it rain out there at the quarterback position. So his talents were certainly wasted by um, the folks down in Grand Bend. But I love that scene because we've all played university football. We have all experienced what it means to be playing against, uh, you know, a scout team and prepping for the upcoming game. And yeah, you could say that sometimes guys strike deals out there. I won't go hard if you don't go hard. But that's not it here. <laughs> I think what's kind of missed in that situation and whoever wrote the script doesn't quite get it it would have been a much more believable scenario if the guy that Vince Vaughn portrays is not angry about Rudy going too hard because people go hard in practice regardless of being a scout team or not but because it looked like Rudy wasn't following any kind of scout card or any kind of preparation it just looked like the entire movie all he does from the defensive line position is play a nutcracker drill. That's all he's good at. It, forget about, in that case, the other 10 players on the field. In that moment, whenever the ball is snapped, Rudy is between two pylons, and it's him versus whatever guy he's doing nutcracker against or okey drill or whatever stupid drill he, he thinks it is in his mind because he forgets about that responsibility. He clearly doesn't read through that line to, uh, to follow the running back and read the run or motion or anything going on. He doesn't even really set himself up to contain at the, at the mesh point, but nobody seems to care. It's almost <laughs> as if in day one, that one gray haired coach who tells Rudy, he made the team. It's like, man, that guy is going to be great for about 10 minutes a week. When we do a full contact hitting drill. We are going to love having this guy. One, because against the bigger guys, he'll be a really good ego boost because he gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> and against the medium-sized guys, he might outwork them and force them to get in the gym so that in a year or two, they'll enjoy really beating the snot out of this kid. That's pretty much all he's good for on the field. And as a scout player or a practice player, the fact that he just keeps blindly rushing into gaps and tackling <laughs> whoever he sees with the ball, that's that's not exactly his role out there, and it's kind of frustrating. So it would have been more believable if Vince Vaughn was angry about that. Like, hey, that's not exactly how the uh, how the Purdue nose tackle plays it. Why is this guy running through B gap when he's lined up in A gap and it's not an opposite? Well, I think that to me stood out the most. That yes, he goes hard, but everyone's going hard. It's practice. A more believable scenario would have been the fact that Rudy has no responsibility and doesn't seem to really know the plays in any of the football seats. Oh my God. I, I mean, we've all played with guys like that too. And we know it's like. Lanny scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Lanny, if you're listening, we love you in Kenora. Yeah. If you're listening to uh, the podcast in uh, Kenora, then. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, but we all play with that guy who just doesn't give a shit about cue cards or doesn't give a shit 
about schemes, doesn't give a shit about what coaches are telling him. He's just going in there to drop his screws into somebody's chest and, you know, just absolutely try to ruin <laughs> someone's day. But in this case, again, it's a guy who's 150 pounds who, when he tries to do that, is going to get his neck absolutely like just jammed into his body. <laughs> so. I Great, mean, another bull rush from Rudy. <laughs> I'm ready to go against the All-American defensive tackle this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got Bruce Smith this week from Virginia Tech. Better put Rudy out there. <laughs> the <same> yeah. <laughs> put an orange cap on Rudy so they can really adjust themselves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, another thing that stuck out to me that I, I find absolutely hilarious was – at the start of the movie, when Rudy's in his high school class and he's just phased out, not looking at anything, you know, he's he's just like daydreaming about God knows what, the, you know, the, the professor or the priest or whatever in the high school class is giving a lecture and he asks him to, you know, give him an example of it. And the kid just tries to bullshit his way out of it. I resonate so much with that because I have been in that situation, I don't know how many times. I'm not paying attention to what someone's saying. And they said, what do you think? And I'm just saying, okay, what was the last thing I remember you know, listening to and, you know, during this conversation? Let's just circle back to that. And then we'll just kind of bullshit. Our way out of it. You know, that part to me is just, as an adult, I can like, you know what, man, you know, preach. I, 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 I know exactly what you're going through, Rudy. You know, you're not interested in it, but you're trying your best to, you know, just absolutely bullshit your way through it. And that's how CEOs of companies and politicians are made, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, Rudy was set up for success just based on that one scene alone. The fact that he was able to have the balls to have an answer and not just stumble and him and ha, he actually had something queued up where he was like, well, the state Senate and you know what, if I'm the, if I'm the teacher in that situation, let him go see where he goes with it. He might answer your question. It might take him 10 minutes, but he'll get there eventually. So, I mean, again, one of these scenes that just sticks out to me and no one would ever fucking remember. It's just, I have a brain for this type of thing. There's, you know, there's always like really ancillary parts of every movie that I look at. It's like, oh yeah, that part was pretty funny. And then you talk to somebody about it. It's like, I have no recollection of that ever happening in that movie at all. But uh, again, really resonate with that as an adult. Um, But uh, again, there's so many good things about this movie. There's so many weird things about this movie. I'm going to mention a good one. I mean, what gets lost in the fray here? We talked about Vince Vaughn, Kevin. You mentioned him earlier. John Favreau is in this movie, and no one knows it's John Favreau. No, I remember in the crowd. Yeah. Remember he was in the crowd. Miami. Yeah, John Favreau is his tutor, and he plays like a fat, nerdy guy. And anyone who knows John Favreau knows that like he's a pretty cool guy. And the fact that he's a swinger, exactly. You're so money, you don't even know how money you are, man. Um, (laughs) So anyways. um, the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Exactly. But now when you look at everything that kind of, you know, evolved from that movie, you've got two of the most, you know, sorry, two of the highest grossing movies off of people in this movie. So Rudy as Jet alluded to, went on to play Samwise Ganji in The Lord of the Rings. And obviously everyone knows how those movies performed. People might not know this. John Favreau 
is the director and producer of Iron Man mm-hmm. and the Iron Man franchise. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much money that guy is worth now? Much more than his swinger days. <laughs> but think he about that. Mandalorian too. Mandalorian. He made the, the live action Jungle Book movie. Like the guy is absolutely on fire in Hollywood right now. And it all started from this movie. It's crazy to think about. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's such a great movie. You know, I think anyone who has any type of emotion, you know, you tear up at some points of the movie, especially with those passionate speeches that Charles S. Dutton, you know, will, will give you, or as Kev mentioned, fortune. Prove yeah. what? Prove what? Um, but I mean, th- that character goes to show that, you know, there's, there's compassion, there's, you know, there's help when it's needed. And there's really the motivation that you ultimately need when you're feeling down and ready to quit. And like, that's why everyone has that Charles S. Dutton on their shoulder telling them to keep going with his awkward clapping. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, but that being said, I I mean, guys, Rudy's such a fantastic movie. I mean, obviously we rip on these movies all the time whenever we talk about them, but every time we, we mention something, it's all out of love. We, we grew up watching these. They resonate so much with us. I'm sure none of us even watched this movie before we, we talked about it tonight. We've just seen it so many times. It sticks out to us and it's burned in our memory. But you know that's pretty much it from this episode of Front Office Film Critics. And you know as we close out the show, again, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our great partners over at Human 2.0. You know, Jet obviously talks about injuries every week. To avoid any scenario that you find yourself in the same situation as these athletes, go see everyone at 2.0 or human 2.0, get your body fixed up, get it right and prevent a lot of these things from happening. And for anyone who registers for a free trial class, mention the podcast and you will get a second free class. So boys, that's it. We're back in the saddle. I was hosting again. We got all of our segments done. We added an additional segment. We talked about Rudy, the wagers on the board. I don't know what else we got to do. So, I mean, unless there's something from you guys. Well, make sure uh, you enjoy this, uh, this ridiculous UFC card that's coming up. It'll be fun to watch and discuss at next week. Yes, that is absolutely absolutely correct. Um, very good UFC card on this weekend, and uh, I think we might have a very fun episode next week based on the conversation that we had last week. I want to see if we can evolve something that uh, that we spoke about at the very end of last week's episode. But uh, I know a little teaser, little teaser for it. But again, anyone who hasn't gone to frontofficepodcast.com, go do that. We've got all of our episode content on there, as well as downloadable shit. You've got all kinds of information about us, the podcast, the episodes. Um, Again, really, really good stuff. And then if you haven't voted yet, please go vote daily for the Ottawa 2021 best podcast awards for the front office podcast we appreciate everybody who will do so and on that note fellas again it's great to be back doing our normal thing and jet over to you later bitches hell of a show 
hell of a show.